Hi folks, and welcome to Music Seeds, the music that made us. This is episode two with Mr. Jeremy McCree and Mr. Jack Miller. We are going down the rabbit hole of a lot of different conversations in this episode. Some of the things we'll talk about is some of the bands that we've liked seeing live, and we talk about an experience of seeing Rammstein for the first time, great opening acts that have surprised us that have done better than the closing act. We also go down a little rabbit hole with Korn, In Excess, also sidelining on to Michael Hutchins in his life, Nine Inch Nails, who ironically enough I will be seeing tomorrow at Red Rocks. We also talk about Trent Reznor's influence on Halsey, Alanis Morissette's influence on a lot of different artists in the documentary Jagged Little Pill. And we also talk about the different meanings of songs, like how people think every breath you take is a love song. I hope you enjoy this. If you'd like to get a hold of me, please listen towards the end, and you can get a hold of me through any of the outlets that is provided to you. Without any further ado, here we go. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. What we're getting into here is we're talking about live performances. We've seen, I, I kind of want to go into two different kinds of categories here when it comes to that. I want to know what are some of the best live shows you've seen? Like you have probably ones that you're like, that will never live up to that show kind of performances. There's a few in mind, I can tell you. It's, yeah, that's a tough, that's a really good answer. It is a good, hard, a good question, it? yes. But partially because between the three of us in this room, we've seen probably several hundred shows. Exactly. In our, in our, in our we, short adult life. Exactly. We've seen, because we were in privy to that, thanks you know, thankfully uh, from where we came from, yeah. as far as being in music retail and the fact that we just oh, yeah. like music. So we're going we're gonna to go to shows. You can't stop us. I'd say Pink Floyd's Momentary Lapse Tour uh, ranks pretty high up there. You don't like that one? <laughs> He's pissed that you oh, went he's, song. Have you never, you've I, never seen Pink Floyd? I've never Floyd? seen Floyd. No. You've seen Waters, though, right? Yeah, I've seen Waters twice. I've been lucky enough to see Pink Floyd twice, and that was on the Momentary Lapse Tour, and then I got to see him the Division Bell, yeah. which was good, but not as good as Momentary Lapse. Yeah. Now, granted, that neither, neither one of those shows with Roger Waters. That being said, seeing The Wall, seeing Roger Waters perform The Wall yes. in its theatrical version with, with the, mm-hmm. all, all the doodads and you know, all the bells and whistles... And a great band backing him up. Absolutely. It was a bucket list show for me. It was fantastic. So that one has to go probably yeah. equally yeah. as well as seeing Floyd on, or without him. It's kind of, yeah, it is, it's a very difficult answer because yeah. there have been so many good shows. And I think some of the smaller shows that, uh, and it's also who you've seen shows with. Uh, I was just thinking of Billy McLaughlin the other day. Yeah, I we, can put that up there. Probably. Billy McLaughlin yeah. at a very small venue called the Soiled Dove. Uh, oh, Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy, and I and my wife Shailene all went to see him, and we got tickets through the the music rep like we normally did back then. And the it was rock. funny uh, that he, we, during during the show he made mention of fans or something. Uh, he was mentioning retail, and I I said from the crowd Sam Goody, and he turned to where we were sitting. And he's like, "Is that Jack?" So he called me out by name. Because the the rep told them we were going to be there, so yeah. for have a have have artists call you out by name from the mm-hmm. from the stage, that's pretty crazy. That that's that's an interesting uh, interesting phenomenon. Yeah, great memory <laughs> to have for them. It is, sure. you know. I mean, it's different. Plus, I have friends who are in bands, and I have family in bands, and so mm-hmm. I've been, you know, that that's part of it as well. I've had people like put mics down in the crowd and have me sing with the band and you know, yeah. things like that, <laughs> goofy stuff. I got to see one of my. F- favorite top 10 like I moved them up to top 10 after I went and saw it just because 
I waited so long to see him, and I never got to see the White Stripes, and that was Jack White. Jack White blew my fucking mind away, because that is a guy that, one, he goes in the studio and he makes these great albums, mm-hmm. but when he gets out there on that stage, he gives it his all. When he leaves it all out there. Me and yeah. uh, our friend Susie uh, got to see the White Stripes. Uh, and they were good. I saw them at the Gothic Theater, and they were, they were an excellent for a two-piece band. Yeah. They were fantastic. I always, when I talk about great shows, I think I'm very uh, lucky or very privileged to have seen the Godfathers of Punk Rock. I got to see mm-hmm. the Sex Pistols. Granted, it was on their filthy the show. Yeah, the Filthy Liqueur tour, which they did <laughs> just for the money. I have respect. Yeah, I, 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 I you still got to see them. I still got to see them, and I respect the fact that they came yeah. out and said, right, instead of trying to you know candy coat, they said, look, we're doing this for the money. They still put on a great show. I got to see um, the Dead Kennedys. Unfortunately, not with Jello, but still put on a great show. Mm-hmm. I got to see the Ramones with before uh, before Joey died. Mm-hmm. You know things like that. I mean, those oh, yeah. they, you know, those kind of bands are you know those, these seminal artists mm-hmm. who are still doing great live music. Yeah, I'm happy to be able to see now. There's yeah. a couple that I didn't get to see. I mean, I, I never I've never seen you know several live bands or several large bands I wanted to, and mm-hmm. now it's too late. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate it's too late. I got to see Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young live. I saw them live in London. And that, and that to me was like, wow, because that's not ever going to happen. At that point, too, it was right before they just kind of were like all losing their sound and their vocals and all that. So I got them, get them at right before they lost, you know, a lot of their. The, the show when we discussed real quick in London, where, where, when we got here, you asked me yeah. why I saw Pearl Jam. Yeah. That show in London, it was a three day festival, and I saw the lineup was so amazing. Uh, it was. Paul McCartney headlined the second, or the, he headlined the third day. Pearl Jam headlined the first day. Stevie Wonder headlined the second day. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, wow. but also on that same bill was Jamiroquai and Elvis wow. Costello and Crosby, wow. Stills, and Nash. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was this, this never-ending, unbelievable uh, lineup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that show itself ranks yeah. up there as far as, you yeah. know. And we were talking before I came here, like festivals have been one of these things that you get to knock out so many bands in one live setting and, like, those first few years of Lollapalooza for me were like, wow. I yeah. got to knock out so many bands in those <laughs> first few years that are still in my catalog and you know of music I, I listen to to this day. Still, so, you know, um, Jeremy, who's somebody you saw that you really like? Liked? Naked. There's a band from the '90s called Naked. Uh, I, I like that album. I, like I think they've got like two albums, albums out. Yeah. Um, they did uh, was it KBPI's. Birthday Bash. Birthday Bash, and it was a Christmas one. Yeah, Jingle Bell uh, Rock or something. something. Yeah, something was, that. No, the uh, Mistletoe Thank you, Jam. Mistletoe Jam. So it was at the Ogden Theater. I think you were there. They were on tour. Their equipment got lost. So they came out. Uh, the lead singer had an acoustic guitar. The drummer had a snare drum and a, and a brush and I think a stick. And I don't remember what the bass player had. I don't remember how many, I don't remember how many people were in the band. But they came out and they played their heart out because it was in the 90s right so this was probably 97 i think and yeah. and and so you had all those you had matchbox 20 you had uh, all those different and they kind of sounded like that so you had all this all these bands all these guy bands that sounded the same right mm-hmm. so they were all but fighting, talented but talented but they're yeah. all fighting for this space right yeah. they're fighting for the third eye blind matchbox 20s all that live and live right yeah. um they're fighting for this space, and they came out. I don't know. They played a probably a twenty-minute set. Yeah, <laughs> it may, maybe it maybe a maybe a, a maybe a thirty-five-minute set. And by the end of the set, the guitarist only had one string. I don't remember what the bass player had, and it was just the what they put into it. I don't even remember who else played that night, right? And there was probably mm-hmm. six or seven bands, you know. 
and they just how much they put into it, the heart into it. And I have to this day, I don't think I've ever seen a band put that much into it, even yeah. seeing large bands. You know what I'm saying? Because for large bands, it's almost as if they're this is status quo. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just they, this mm-hmm. is already there. But you've got a band who's starving. Uh, they're from Hollywood, which I that's part of the reason I like them so much is because I was you know. They, they wrote songs about areas I knew, right? They knew, I, they wrote songs about things that I had done, I had walked by, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and then they just come out and they just put their heart into it. And I think they put out two albums and then I think the lead singer's now, uh, like he's like a producer or something like that yeah. in Hollywood. He's like an IMDb page. Like they, mm-hmm. they broke up, like they went into totally into obscurity you'll never hear yeah. from them again. Well, to, to, I guess we can narrow this down because it's so hard to pick out a favorite show. What about, how about the... An opening band, or just a band that you saw that you, you, you were surprised at. Yeah, yeah. Surprised yeah when we yeah. Threw that front two four two that was the main. Came at the end. Came at the end. Yeah. Came yeah. at the end. And those and poor they, guys didn't. They, 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 they had a chance. They never had a chance. They had yeah. came out and then melted the place to the ground but, almost literally. That's the crazy <laughs> thing about that show is is I don't know how many other shows that Rammstein opened up for KMFDM. Okay, that could have been one. It could have been ten. Right, but at that particular show, you walked out of there, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about. Yeah, I remember. You walked that. out of there knowing, that very visually, right, yeah. knowing that 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 KMFDM was nothing. People came and to I, see well, KMFDM. I mean, we have to qualify this saying that you know for the listeners that you know that I like KMFDM. Right, exactly, and they're a good band. That's, that's, that's why they're a good live band. That's who we initially went to go right, see. Right. Right. I was about yeah. to go into that. We went to see KMFDM. We walked out of there talking about Rammstein. Yeah, yeah. it was like KMFDM was like like. Yeah. And they that. knew it. Oh, yeah. They knew it. And it was so... I've never seen that. I've never seen an opening band upstage. And maybe it didn't happen the rest of the tour. Maybe they kicked them off the tour. I don't remember. It was 25 <laughs> years ago. Okay. But you, you, like, I've never seen to this day another band that came off and was just like... Mm-hmm. The opening band, the closing band was just like... Uh, like you Yeah. Know, the, so... And I, and I might have. I might have seen something like that. Like I'm trying to remember. And it's just... That was that was a big one. Yeah, I went to one of them '80s um, things. Like uh, I think the headliner, like The Fix or something. Who I'm a huge fan of, by the way. Yeah. My all-time favorite bands. But and it has nothing to do with the, that. Them actually, I was just surprised because the oh, the very first person on this bill was Colin Hay of oh, Men at Work. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And he came, he walked yeah. out on stage, this is at Fiddler's Green, a big stage with just him and an acoustic guitar. And blew you the fuck away. And he blew me the fuck away, exactly, without without question. And I, I, it's one of those things that stick in my head. That's how I know I liked it so much that it's still, to this day, so it, yeah. I remembered that I remember it, and it comes up in these kind of conversations because he was so good. Yeah. And that just speaks to how sometimes it takes a man a guitar. You don't need the producers. You don't yeah. need all the bells and whistles. Some people can do that. I didn't get to see it live, but one of my favorite things I ever saw was on MTV Unplugged. For all you young kids, that used to be their They're bringing show. it back. Yeah, yeah, well, sometimes it works, sometimes not. They, they brought yeah. Beavis and Butthead back for no good reason, too. Um, Which I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm going to watch it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but just funny, it's just kind of funny, because some things have a moment in time. But one of my Ooh. favorite ones was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yes. Playing a 12-string acoustic. And I can't remember what song he did, but I was enthralled watching this man play, because at the end of that song... Yeah. Now, it wasn't literally a pile of dust in the ground, but you wouldn't know was it. Was it last year? he, no, I don't know what it was, but he was tearing into this mm-hmm. 12 string and mm-hmm. played the shit out of this guitar until it was almost nothing in his hands. I mean, yeah. not literally, guys, don't, don't, I mean, but it was just, it was one of those performances that was just mind bending, you know. Speaking of MTV, MTV Unplugged, um, you know, your guys' bands, I, I'm not a fan of Nirvana. 
I never have been a fan of Nirvana. I appreciate I, I, them for I, I what they like are. Them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they but, were a great band. They were but, a moment in time. But <laughs> the from the Money Bakes to the Wiscatar, they're 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 acoustic. The Wishcar, yeah, that, that live. The, 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 the that's the electric one. From the Money Banks to Wishcott was the Electric yeah. Live album. Okay, yeah. that, that album, regardless of it, that album, because you've got a list of, of, of ones, is, is I don't want to say it's in my top 10. I probably wasn't even say it's in my top 20. Yeah. That being said, I, I, didn't, really I, didn't, I didn't have a, an appreciation for Nirvana until that album came out. Yeah. The live acoustic. The live acoustic. Not, not the acoustic. Well, I don't know. The what, whatever that, that From the Money Banks to Wishcott was the live album. Was, was the electric. Yeah, yeah the unplugged what, album was. Yeah. yeah. And ironically was, enough, yeah. before I went and we did this, I went through and saw what like different formats, different, you know, um, stuff online. And that was consistently in the top 10 was MTV's uh, Unplugged. Unplugged. Yeah, they did some good stuff. Well, it opened up people that didn't know about Bowie, right. you know. Like, yeah. I mean, we knew about Bowie, obviously. Well, you talk about, you specifically talk about Nirvana's. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. they did a Bowie song. They did a Meat Puppet okay. song. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. so, they, yeah, they definitely kind of yeah. you know, expanded blues, people's horizons, yeah. you know. Um, well, I mean, and a lot of people... Um, that that show was genre bending because people who didn't weren't like, recognized as acoustic artists got uh, opened up to a new audience as well. Because yeah. yeah, look at the people who played that. We, Winger played live. I mean, they yeah. did acoustic. Well, they did know. the hip hop thing too with LL Cool J, where they had the backing up band. Yeah, and, and Kiss like did a you know Kiss reunited yeah, on that exactly. show and things like that. And uh, Alice in Chains did it. Kind of that kind of opened up their whole acoustic line. Great, they put too. out three yeah. or four acoustic albums because of that. Speaking of Alice in Chains, you listened to to Mad Season. I love Mad Season. Okay, have you listened yes. to Mad Season? God, I have. Okay. Have it on so, vinyl. So, <laughs> have you listened to the 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 twentieth anniversary release of their first album? There's a live album. Yeah, with on Chris it. Cornell. Yeah. There's a live album, mm-hmm. that is, and it is so good. Is absolutely. I have not heard about that. I'm look that up. I didn't sure. know about it either. I was like, I wanted to listen to River of Deceit one day, and listen to it. I listened to the album, and then it just out of Spotify just automatically moved it into into the live album, and I'm like, what, what is this? Yeah. And I'm like. Holy really? I mean, yeah. it's just, they do it with an orchestra yeah, so, and everything. So, it's so good. good. Oh my god! Well, that was you know we were talking about producing, you know, overproduced stuff. That's or everything's about producers nowadays. I don't want to discount the role of production in an album because how an album sounds has a big part in its. Well, if it, what's what is, what's going to happen with it? Certain like one of the first albums that comes to mind when I talk about a great two. The first two that come to mind for how it sounds. Is in excesses. Listen like thieves album. I don't know who produced that one. Fantastic sound and Corn's issues album. Corn's mm-hmm. yes. issues album is produced yes. claustrophobically. Yes, intentionally yes. claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And you agree feel, with when you listen to I it, agree with you, you feel that. I have to agree you with know? you. You know, and that's that, that me. That those kind of things are important. So I, I, I guess to qualify what I was talking about you know, about music nowadays, mm-hmm. I think it's it's different because. I, in fact, I love. That's one of the things that catches me about music in general. That or things that catch my ear are the production value things. What's brought up in the mix? You know, what's intentional? Mm-hmm. Well, these little little sounds that come up, and and then you know that's intentional. Those are the things that make yeah. me go, oh, I like that. You know, I want to listen to more than that. And one of the great producers now that, in my opinion, that goes through and he'll trill. He does different people. Is Mark Ronson. They actually took some of Foo Fighters' last album and re- they re-recorded some of those songs with his production, and it's really good. Try to look it up later for you, and I'll let you hear what I'm talking about. What I was—I'm going to piggyback on two things. One, did you know Corn's coming here with Ev- Evanescence? 
which I thought the two of them are touring. That's interesting. That's a, it's an odd. Yeah. I, I did know that's an odd pairing. I've seen Corn several times. Jeremy, I've seen several times together. Yeah. Um, fantastic live band. Yeah. They still uh, with and without. Uh, um, Fieldy with no well Fieldy currently, but I'm talking about the, what's what's his name? Uh, was it Head that was out that it went all religious for a while and he left and came back? Yeah, he's uh, back. Yeah, um, yeah, I know he's back now, but yeah. Um, Brian, yeah, yeah, Brian Head Welch. Um, so they were with and without him. They're still a good band, even though they've kind of yeah. they've they've kind of meandered too. Some of them well, are stronger than others, but still a good. Um, band. Lead singer of Corn. Jonathan Davis. Jonathan right. Davis. <laughs> he actually had to go through therapy and stuff to kind of get his whole mental state back. I found out. I read an article on it. Like there is a. It was a few years ago. He had to. Like he was dealing with a lot of shit. I wasn't aware. Of. I think they lost a daughter or something. Like, he's got a son who's um, like autistic. I think. Yeah. And, and diabetic. It's. Well, he's diabetic. He's got a son who's. Maybe got it was a son. Yeah. Then, but I, I don't want to quote myself in that natural look right. into it. But that's why they're coming back like tenfold again is because he had to deal with some shit. Apparently, the other thing I wanted to piggyback on is that you because I have it on my list here and I don't forget <laughs> is that you talked about in excess and listen like thieves. That's I. That was the first cassette I ever bought, I believe. And not, and not that yeah. no, that was what their third album, I believe, because yeah. uh, there was. Um, the Swing and Shabu Shabbat yes. beforehand. Both excellent albums as well, if you're not familiar with their early work, because a lot and of people didn't really catch on to them my until later. Biggest regret, and I have it here on my list of my favorite live albums of all time, is In Excess Live Baby Live at Wembley. That's an excellent album. And like, they're, they're, and I was lucky and fortunate to see them live and uh, I during, wasn't. during the Listen Like Thieves tour, in fact, and mm-hmm. they were stellar. They were, you know, it, it, that's One what, of the that's greatest what, frontmen. A great loss. That's another. That's a great loss to you know, mm-hmm. losing him as a blow to music. That's another band we talk about uniqueness. Yeah. Right? Who sounds like in excess? Yeah. Who sounded like him? Right. Who sounds like him now? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Freddie Mercury, same yeah. kind of thing. Who, who sounds like Freddie Mercury? Nobody. You, you want to watch one of the saddest documentaries that's out there? The documentary about him is one of the saddest things I've ever watched, man. Because I was unaware of how the bike accident basically affected who he was and that's why he was he was in this mental state because he got in a bike accident and he right. had this, yeah, yeah he hit his head and it definitely affected and him. he made him more angry and upset and paranoid and and so he was trying to find ways of satisfying his needs and you know being fixated and, and just try to feel life and excitement and like people don't get that you know like because the way he took himself out was an unexpected way but it was because of everything he was dealing with. And to watch that documentary and like to see this person that had everything and then just to lose it all because of an accident, it was sad to watch. So it, it's almost, well, it's my daughter who's only 16 and coming into her own as far as musical taste is concerned. Yeah. And um, because her mom and I are such audiophiles ourselves, uh, she's been fortunate so she doesn't listen to the same stuff that a lot of the, her kids her age do. She listens yeah. to, she does, but at the same time she listens to a lot of deeper stuff and she's influenced by our taste like we all were, we were talking about, influenced by our parents' taste. Yeah. And it's sad to have to tell her that this person's not around anymore because of drugs and or alcohol. Yeah. It's, a, it's a constant theme. So, I mean, to lose Michael Hutchins in an oddball way, it was, at least it's something different. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it's very rare you lose people to natural causes. Or, well, you know, Lane just, Stanley you know, and... Yeah, Lane Staley and, uh, well, and, you know, Chris Cor- well, Chris Cornell wasn't Cobain. drugs, but I mean, yeah, Cobain and you know, those yeah. and the likes. Chester. It's, you know, it's sad yeah. because and she's getting into the, some of these bands and it's like, yeah, you're, you're never going to hear any new music from them. 
because of that. Yeah. You know? Which ties into this whole, like, you know, you've heard this phrase being said over before and even like in, uh, in songs is like, is it better to fade away or, you know, or <laughs> burn, out. burn out or fade away? And a great example to that is I think that if you can get your shit together, you can, you can create even more wonderful, amazing things that you never thought of. And big example of that, and one of the most shows I'm excited to see this summer is Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. Here's a guy that had a lot of anger and a lot of drug issues and a lot of pain. And look at him now. He's like, you know, this dynasty in a lot of he's, ways. He's the new Danny Elfman when it comes to yes. soundtracks. Yeah. <laughs> or his score music because the stuff he's doing with, uh, what's his name? His uh, Atticus. Atticus. I can't. I can't. It's, it's not Finch. It's not Finch. That's that's the name. Uh, uh, Mockingbird. Uh, Kill Mockingbird. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. His 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 songwriting partner for doing the because it's and it's excellent work. He's doing yes. some amazing work. But we talked about this. I think the three of us offline uh, was the uh, the new Mahalsey album. Yes. That they that produced. Oh my God! I, I, that album. It's about going back to producers and production yes. value. That exactly. is by far, not to knock her earlier stuff too. Because I do like Halsey as an artist. Yeah. But that is by far her most mature and well-produced, well-written work. Because and it's a shame she, it's not getting more She put attention. everything out there. Exactly. Everything she was feeling, everything she was dealing with. And that's the thing is that, you know, when you are able to go into a studio and you're able to record something and it deals with uh, all your emotion and all your heart, I mean, you go. I, I went back to and listened to um, Broken because um, I'm getting pumped for this show when it comes uh, for Nine Inch Nails. And that, to me, like, you listen to Pretty Hate Machine, you listen to Downward Spiral. People don't realize this. In between those albums was this little gem. Yeah, and it, those songs, I was thinking about the production on it. I was thinking about just the lyrics and the emotion behind it and, like, everything he was dealing with at that time. He was dealing with a lot of stuff with his record label at the time, too. Yeah. He put into it. Um, it's, yeah, because they, they were trying to, uh, Interscope was really trying to, was really moving him around a lot and uh, not kind of lying to him. Yeah, so it was it was it was a tough time for him, and he yeah. finally worked it out. But yeah, that's what was funny because when he re-signed with uh, whoever he signed, I can't remember who he signed with that. Somebody at that on point. your Well, he said, uh, well, signed with them, but then he's like, they're like, okay, Trent, uh, let's get ready. He's like, here, here's here's my next album. So yeah. he already had it done. He just didn't want to release it to the other label. Exactly. And that was hilarious. At least I thought that was funny because I, he really kind of you know, stuck it to him. Kind of Prince, Prince did the same thing with Sony. Yeah. You know, kind of said, you know, I don't want you know, or Warner Bros. Yeah, I don't want to deal with you. So he had all this music backlog. And then when they when he signed the new deal, he's like, here you go. And it's yeah. you know, pour all this stuff poured out of him. You know. So I mean, that's the thing too. You know, you can talk to her about is that there's so much music out there that yes is great and produced really well, and it has a lot sometimes to deal with a lot of the shit we go through. But to come through that and come through the other end and be able to. I mean, I'll use another example. It's not as big as maybe, you know, as them, but Atlantis Morissette and Jagged Little Pill. I mean, come on. That that was her dealing with some fucking shit and getting it out there. And for that time, in that time and place, like, if you guys have a chance to watch that documentary, because it'll blow you the frick away. All the crap she had to deal with and how it laid the groundwork for so many female artists after that. Like, I had no idea. Like, all these, all these ladies come forward and saying, if it wasn't for this album... I would not have been able to make my album. Well, she was the first one to have, well, I can't, maybe not the first, but she was the first, at least in that, that genre to, or that time frame, to put out an, an angry an angry girl album. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, and it's like you were just saying, a lot of other women who were angry.
angry came out later on because she had the guts to do that. Yeah. You know? So hey, this is what. Yeah, I'm sure she would probably. She had every right to be angry. Though. And I'm not. Yeah, I don't discount that at all. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to discount how she felt. I'm just saying it was different at the time because I'm sure a lot of the male-dominated music. Yes. Um, and the machine we're trying to hey honey come of, over here trying, you know, trying, to, trying to talk around her releasing that album and it wound up being obviously the biggest of her career and as it opened the door that album a lot of it. I know all of us were like probably sick of that album by the time you know <laughs> it was finally said and done but it was great to go back and reflect on it and watching that documentary and to see all these women that were influenced by her and be able to become the artists they are now today and then all the shit she had to deal with and then like to know that she eventually you know Taylor Hawkins, I mean, you know, I mean, that was her backup band, you know, yeah. and just to say that sometimes the best albums is when, you know, going back to like the Halsey and the Trent production, sometimes when you can just lay your whole soul out there and it impacts an audience, I mean, you see it in Adele and her songs, you see it, you know, there's people out there that put everything out there. There's, there's a lot of our, our favorite bands that have done that, you know, that non people, a lot of the people have listened to which maybe we'll get to in another episode at some point. <laughs> but to me, there is so much shit going out there when you do find these little, like, well, I feel exactly what they're feeling. You know, I know exactly what they're dealing with. And my emotions in the same realm. Or maybe you do and you don't because, you know, look at every breath you take is, you know, people use that in their weddings and Sting is... They have no idea. Sting, Sting, is, Sting is horrified by the fact that people use that for their yeah. wedding when it's a song about a stalker. But I mean, but that's not what they get out of it. And, mm -hmm. and that's what he kind of hit. He, he, I read an interview with him how he had to reconcile that during their heyday. Yeah. How people, McCain would come to him and say, oh, we love that song. It's, it's a beautiful song. And he's like, okay, but do you really know what that's about? Exactly. And they're like, yeah. well, no, we. this is what we get out of it. And he kind of had to say... Yeah, okay. That's why some artists don't talk about their music sometimes. Yeah. Because they want, you know, the audience to get whatever they want out of it. You know, Sarah McLaughlin wrote a song about her stalker that was a big hit for her, you know? I mean... Or was it, uh, what's the, uh, the Carly Simon song that she didn't want to say who it was about? Um, um, you're So Vain. Yeah, You're So Vain. You yeah. know, there's always, you know, I think she told one person, it was like a contest years ago, remember? Yeah. It was the contest and she James, told one uh, person. Yeah. But, you know, that song and then a Jagged Little Pill. Everybody knows what is, uh, you ought to know about. I guess. But that, and that they, you know? that's not yet proven, too, because in that documentary it says it's not about him. Dave yeah, that's what everybody <laughs> thought it was. Well, that was the rumor. No, yeah, nobody knows for yeah. sure. And they bring up that rumor, they but, but she's it like, it's not. <laughs> Here's these artists. Like, when you can go and see an artist live and they produce that same emotion, that's why I'm so excited to see Nine Inch Nails at Red Rocks is because he's one of those artists that when you see them live, they're bringing everything out right there in front of you. Okay, right. We talked about my In Excess album. <laughs> we talked about Oasis. But here's two albums I wanted to bring up to you, and we're going to tie it back into the live albums thing, is these two live albums were in my dad's collection growing up. And I have them now on record you know, because of that. Because it was one of those things when my dad would have friends over for the weekends, you know, and they'd play cards and hang out with their friends and, you know, and then can, can I make a guess at one? Yes. Neil Diamond's Hot August Night. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was my dad's drinking album, that's why. <laughs> and I was very fortunate about six years ago, I think it was, because I promised myself at a young age that I'm going to go see this artist with my dad because I remember hanging out and just getting turned on by this album because it was such a great fucking live album. And he, he's the epitome of blue collar, you know, and that is Bob Seger. 
So I got to see Bob Seger on Nine Tonight. Oh, Nine Tonight, okay. Yeah. And I know that album back to front because of how many times he played that album. And I got to go see him live, and it was one of the most emotional experiences I ever had. But another album I was not able to see with the original lineup because obviously Dwayne passed away early on. And that was at Filmer East, um, oh, the Allman Brothers. Yeah. And that is one of a great live album. And I remember hearing that over and over when I was younger, too. There's these little things that you don't realize when you get older, and then you listen to them again, and you're like picking out, like, wow, you're like the how amazing it is. Because you enjoy it for what it is, but then when you really sit back and you listen to how tight that band is and how amazing that live sound is, it blows your mind to like the production value. Like, that was a live album. It wasn't, they didn't go back and tweak it, you know. And, they, didn't you know have, they didn't have the technology exactly. to go back and tweak it back then. It yeah. was like they, they plugged it into the soundboard and, and they just recorded every show and hopefully they got either several songs over over a tour or mm-hmm. they, that one magical performance that would, the crowd was into it and the band was hot and that's what you got, yes. you know. So Who yeah. was it for you, like at a young age? Was there any live albums? Uh, Neil Diamond. <laughs> that was Hot August Night. And yeah. my dad listened to that album ad nauseum when him and his famous friends got together drinking and playing cards. That was one. And then uh, Johnny Cash, uh, Live at Folsom Prison. Yeah. That's, like, that's what he It's my dad's. Well, we can go back to like influences, you know, kind of. Yeah. Like, just saying, Johnny Cash was a big influence. My dad, he turned me on to Johnny Cash, and I'm a huge Cash fan because of that. Yeah. He liked Elvis a lot, but then again, who didn't? <laughs> so it's kind of like you can't really, I don't know if I can claim his specific love of Elvis because of that. But yeah, Johnny Cash and that Neil Diamond album, he turned me on to those things. It just, it was, it's unfortunate that Neil can't, I mean, I missed, I missed my opportunity to go see Neil live before mm-hmm. his, uh, his health issues prevent him from playing yeah. now. Um, but still, what a, great, what a great artist, great songwriter, great yeah. performer. Um, I got to meet him and be backstage when I lived back home. In the Quad Cities, they opened up a venue there, and that was the first venue. That was the first show at that venue, and I was one of the people that worked backstage for uh, production. I we got to see him walk by and basically just nod at him, and that was about it. <laughs> but I remember that like that was yesterday. So that's yeah. Neil Neil Diamond is definitely one of these artists that there'll probably be a movie about him someday or some documentary. There's probably a documentary I would think of. I like. would tend to think yeah. I love I love a great musical documentary. Yeah. That's for another episode because <laughs> I can talk for a long time on those. Yeah. Um, because I love I love the minutia. I love the background, the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the behind you know, just to throw a couple out there for you people out there to check out uh, Beyond the Lightest Stage on Rush, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagle Story, of the Eagles, which is like three hours long, but is amazing yeah uh, top to bottom uh those kind of things those those two are uh, right right to the top of my head. and i mentioned this to somebody the other day and that because i was wasn't a huge fan of theirs but after, and i loved their music don't get me wrong but i wasn't like a it wouldn't be like in my top bands of all time and that was that documentary by the eagles that you just mentioned another one that's very equal to that as far as like here's everything laid out and that we're not holding back is the chicago documentary I think I saw that one as well. Um, because that's the one where I, I really got I, I got really mad at uh, Peter Satira for not showing up. Not Peter Satira so much specifically, but uh, what's his name, the producer who drew him away. What's, uh, David Foster. David Foster, yes. 
I want to I slap that guy. He turned Peter Satira into a adult contemporary artist and drew him away from one of the great bands of our time. Exactly. Uh, for for what reason? I didn't I didn't understand the reason behind it. Because he's the one who whispered in Peter's ear, you can be a solo artist, which is all well and good. Yeah. But to, to think the schlock that, that he did compared to what Chicago was doing, and granted, they kind of became a little more adult contemporary as they grew older. Mm-hmm. But what a, you know, one of these great brass but bands. But they were, musician-wise, they were an amazing freaking band. Absolutely. And then some of their stories were crazy as hell too you know with the drugs and the alcohol and all that that, that you never remember. happens <laughs> <laughs> so no I, it blew, I was like one of those documentaries those music documentaries that blew me away the Eagles wow I had no idea any of that stuff was going on you know for this band but well, we, like we said this well, is for another say, time what, what, say, what say you for you know like the influences of live music in your yeah. youth yeah do you have anything from your youth that you can uh, yeah um <laughs> I was just enjoying listening to the conversation. Oh. <laughs> so you, so I, I had an idea. Um, Live After Death by Iron Maiden. Great album. Because yes. uh, I didn't... We, we, I kind of touched on this earlier. Like, I, I didn't... You know, my musical influences and taste like, really didn't, like, like, come to its head until probably, like, 90, 91. I was... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't go back. Like, I can remember the first time hearing Pink... When we talked about this the last time. I can remember hearing Pink Floyd. Like, it's one of my earliest memories is hearing The Wall on the radio. And I can remember where it was. And so then you've got like you've got like Pink Floyd and going back to the wall and it was probably like eighty two, and then the Eagles. I grew up on the Eagles, right? My grandparents like I, I yeah. you know the greatest hits, Eagles greatest hits. I, I probably have like ninety percent of the album memorized by the time I was like twelve years old, right? <laughs> but that being said, I didn't like go out like I mean the first the I didn't buy a lot of music, but like you know um, Deep Purple's Perfect Stranger on tape and. And, and Iron Maiden's uh, Power Slave on tape, and um, I, the first album I ever pirated was Exit Stage Left, right? And that was in '84, <laughs> and I recorded it off of a record onto a tape player because I had a record player, tape player, you know. So that's the album that got me into into Rush. But like, if I had to pull an album out from that time frame, is uh, hearing Live After Death the first time, uh, being a, a broke kid in probably '91 maybe 90 right and not having any money and a friend letting me borrow it and listening to it and hearing Iron Maiden live being a fan of Iron Maiden but being able to actually hear them live and in their heyday like at 84, 85 in LA um, and then fast forward uh, to this whole live album thing um, there's a live there's a bootleg live album Pink Floyd 1976 it's recorded at the LA Coliseum and, yeah. and, and it's better than because it's got the entire band mm-hmm. and it's better than any live album, in my opinion, they put out really in, in, in 30 years. Better than Pulse? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Pulse was overproduced, in my opinion. I love Pulse, okay, but it was a production. No, you're okay? right. I guess you're right. It was you're, a pro- you're right. You're, you're thinking about it as opposed to like we were just saying, right. capturing a band right. live. Capturing just a band live. As, I, as I, they, you know, I will Dropbox it to you so you can put it on your phone and you can listen to it. Um, in fact, I can. I found it. It's like one hundred and seventy-six dollars to buy the bootleg vinyl of it. I just haven't pulled the trigger and bought it yet. But I, I want to <laughs> yeah. own it, right? Because it was just such a good album. The first time I listened to it, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it was just it captured the band and their spirit. But going back to that, like ever since then, like I don't live music is so weird to me. It's so it goes back to the early part, the very beginning of this conversation where I, I don't I don't seek anything out, right? I, I don't have a lot to say on this topic. Because if you go look at my record collection today, right, all of my CDs have been packed away in books for 10 years, right? Like, I haven't listened to it. I've listened, I can count on one one CD I've listened to 
in in 10 years and that's my friend's band from la and it's because yeah. he gave me the cd and i had a cd player in my truck and i listened to it right? yeah yeah but if you go and look at my record collection other than the halsey album thank you yeah. for that okay because i had to go out and buy it on vinyl as soon as i heard it everything that i own is from probably 1967 to 19 90. When did when did Frizzle Fry come out? I mean, I've, got, like, I've got some stuff. That's, wow. I mean, I've got some stuff that's from the '90s, right? But not a lot. It's all the the 30 years prior to that. Yeah. And uh, um, and even then, like I've put myself on record buying moratorium because I still have like 10 albums I bought in LA when I oh, went to LA like, yeah. that I haven't even listened to yet, right? Because like for me, I don't concentrate on music. I can listen to music all day long if I wanted to, and for yeah. some reason I don't. The mm. only time I listen to music is the minute I get in my truck put music on exactly and when i get home and i'm working i don't think to or if i know i'm not going to have a slow day because i work from home and if i know i'm going to have a slow day then if i get the idea in my head first thing in the morning that i'm going to be able to listen to records or whatever mm-hmm. i will but it's on vinyl i don't ever pull up anything on my phone to listen yeah. to you know so, but yeah i don't know that totally got off topic with what the question was but if yeah. i was going to have to give an answer probably probably, probably live after death uh, i remember that album being very pivotal to a kid who, like I said, being poor, poor, not having a lot of, not having a lot of music. I mean, the first CD I ever bought was ironically Nirvana's Nevermind. I listened to it once, never listened to it again. Yeah, you told me that story. Uh, borrowing, I think I had it on tape. I think somebody let me borrow it, and then I bought it used, right? Because yeah. in LA, you could buy used tapes galore there, mm-hmm. and just listening to the hell out of the album over and over again, you know, because it was just, I mean, I, I listened to that album so many times that, you know, when the singer says something and he's like, scream for me, Long Beach, I know where that's coming in, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know that yeah, I have yeah. the back of my hand. Like, Well, there you go, folks. The second part of our conversation with Mr. McCree and Mr. Miller. This is Johnny here. And if you'd like to get a hold of us at Music Seeds, you can do so by sending an email to ozomatfan87 at gmail.com that's o-z-o-m-a-t-f-a-n 87 at gmail.com you can also get a hold of me at musicmadeseeds at facebook.com that would be the music seeds facebook page along with narrative perspective i also have other social media outlets including instagram at johnny evans or john evans tiktok at johnny come lately and also Snapchat, which would be under John Evans also. Feel free to get through to me and any of my cohorts through those media outlets. I thank you for listening. It's been amazing watching this little show increase. Every episode, it seems to get a little bit bigger. So thank you for listening. I appreciate all the input I've been getting, and I look to sitting down with some more artists here soon. Getting some conversations going. I just had the Killers concert last night at the Ball Arena. And let me tell you what a great show it was. I hope to bring up some of the live shows I've been to this year in a later podcast. I'm actually going to be seeing Nine Inch Nails tomorrow night at Red Rocks. So any of you that are listening, any of you that are going to these shows, would love your experience. So folks, if you get a chance, enjoy the rest of the summer. Heading into fall here. Enjoy those outdoor shows. Do your best to take care of each other out there. Until next time. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. 
Anthony Zagdameras.